Two of the very best operators. Mark Dumpy in the garage. These two do not like each other. There are two parts of the story as all Red flag, this is a suspended uh, race. Welcome back to episode 23 of the Parked Up podcast, powered by the Race Fuels. My name is Grant Rowley, and we are in the Melbourne lockdown. As usual, it is Groundhog Day. And because it's Groundhog Day, I'm still with Tony Delberto. Tony, how are you going? <laughs> Mate, I'm bloody good. You know, we've had a heap of racing on the weekends, kept me entertained. And we've got a huge show ahead of us. We've got a new sponsor to announce. We've got a cool little segment naming Australia's best corners. Yep. Got a few little guests that you've actually asked what their uh, best corner in Australia is. And we've got a special guest today, Grant. Scott McLaughlin. The most special guest. Can you think of a bigger guest in Australian motorsport at this time? reigning two-time Supercars champion. He looks on his way to title number three. He's got some big aspirations of racing over in America. We're going to ask him about Darwin, about beating Peter Brock, about uh, maybe racing IndyCars one day and, and a whole bunch more. Can't wait to talk to Scotty Mack real soon. But as you mentioned, we, uh, we asked our, our Facebook fans what they felt was the best corner in Australian motorsports. So many corners, so many different tracks, so many different things to, to choose. I don't think the boobs at Winton got <laughs> much of a mention in, in any of the corners. But Tony, what, what's your favourite corner in Australian motorsport? My favourite corner would have to be turn one at Phillip Island. The approach speed is super fast, depending on what car you're in, but generally up almost at 300 k's an hour. And it's just one of those corners where uh, it's super risky. You can go a lot faster than what you're comfortable doing. And that is a big challenge, especially in qualifying. You can either underdo it, you can overdo it, and the consequences are really, really high. The wall's really close. So I really enjoy trying to get the most out of the car there. There's so much load in the car. And uh, it's just one of those tricky corners that really does separate the men from the boys. So... I think we're probably going to hear uh, Bathurst. That seems to be uh, every Australian race driver's uh, number one choice. But for me, Phillip Island uh, is, is just a, a really amazing circuit. And that term one, man, that's tricky. Now, Grant, I know you haven't done a lot of racing on circuits uh, in cars, but man, you've, you've driven a go-kart at some pretty cool places and some tracks that we're familiar with. What's your favorite corner? Oh, I tell you, in, in a go-kart, there was a couple of um, awesome tracks that I loved racing at. One was Newcastle when they, uh, when they redid Newcastle. You would have raced in Newcastle, surely. Mm. Yeah, so yep, the, yep, yep. The, uh, that section that went uh, down the hill at the backside of the track, that was, um, that was awesome. Uh, and also Lithgow had a, has a uh, couple of cool corners as well. But certainly in circuit racing, I did, uh, I did some testing in Formula Ford and Aussie racing cars. And I got the chance to drive at Oran Park and no doubt the dog leg coming down to the uh, final corner there uh, is the best bit of racetrack that I ever got to, uh, got to race on. Of course, that circuit's not there anymore, uh, and I know you got to race at, at Oran Park as well, but that uh, the dogleg with the right going over to the blind left-hander over the brow, that, that's 
that's pretty cool. And like, obviously I didn't get anywhere near its absolute potential, but uh, that's the best piece of uh, racetrack that I've, I've ever steered a car around. I remember the first time I drove Oran Park, uh, Warren Luff's dad, Ian, actually drove me around. And his advice coming over the dog leg was actually just to look into the distance and you could see a power pole. So you basically line the car up, your vision, with the power pole because you couldn't see where the circuit went after that. So, you know, you sort of come up a little bit of a hill over the crest and your eyes are in the distance looking at this power pole, trying to line the car up over the dog leg and then suddenly the last corner appears and uh, your, your vision goes down into the last corner. But the, I always remember there's like an amphitheater of people watching the race there and uh, obviously huge crowds that that circuit attracted. So it's a real shame that we don't have Oran Park anymore, but we did go there when we were racing in TCR and iRacing recently. It's probably not quite the same. Cool to uh, reminisce, but um, I'd imagine the iRacing thing, not quite the same. I do have another thing. little story though. Go. I've got another little story, Grant. Oran Park story? An Oran Park story. Funny moment. Funny <laughs> moment. So Oran Park's got a section where you come up over the bridge and sort of goes over the circuit. So it sort of crosses over each other. Michael Patrizzi in a supercar got it a little bit wrong as he come up over the bridge. Yep. And he dropped a wheel just on the outside as he's trying to come up the hill and put, put the power on. And unfortunately, it dragged him off the circuit. And he ended up, he had half the car hanging over the bridge. Like, you know, you see on those movies how a car's on a cliff and it's yep. like, you know, tilting back and forth. That's exactly what happened. So <laughs> there was this green supercar stuck on the bridge and they had to like crane him off it. And uh, I just remember it was so funny to watch. I mean, obviously something that I didn't want to do myself and I was glad that he did it first, but uh, just a funny moment of Oran Park racing. Well, there you go, and that, that's actually also a pretty cool corner coming off the uh, off the bridge there. That that right hander, yeah, very fast and uh, a slightly off camber at uh, Oran Park. Definitely had a a great variety of corners, but but as you as you said at the top there, I spoke to a bunch of drivers from uh, a whole different eras of Australian motorsport, including the likes of John Bow, Jim Richards, Garth Tander, James Moffat. Uh, and I asked them what their best corners were around Australian motorsport tracks. The first grab that we'll get is from John Bow. My favourite corner really in Australia is the the chase at Bathurst, but in a TCM car, because a supercar it's flat and a GT car it's flat easy. But in a TCM car it's anything but flat and it's a really challenging corner. It's like a probably 260 270 kilometre an hour corner with no downforce. So that really uh, gets your attention. So JB says he loves tipping his TCM car down into the chase at Mount Panorama. Uh, let's see what Jim Richards has to say. No, listen, I think, uh, I think probably, probably one of the favourite corners, which take in sort of two corners, is uh, Reed Park and McTillamy Park at Bathurst, mainly because uh, of the circuit itself. It's an iconic circuit. And uh, it's, a, it's a series of corners where, uh, in all the cars I've driven, if you can get around there without backing off the throttle, then you're doing well. Now, you, you can't do that in, in most cases. But uh, depending on what car you're in, you know, an ease on the throttle and, uh, and, and then, 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 then let it go down and uh, you're doing this sort of over 200K. So 
any quarters like that is uh, definitely a challenge, and uh, I, I thoroughly enjoyed those particular corners. And just like Jim, Garth Tander loves the run across the top of the mountain. Reed Park, McPhillamy Park, that combo uh, across the top of the mountain. Fast, sort of 200-plus kilometres an hour, uh, but with no no runoff, no no margin for error, so the consequences are, are, are huge if you get it wrong. So, yeah, that's uh, probably those two, I reckon. And for James Moffat, his best section is also across the top, but at McPhillamy. Yes, I think, yeah, McPhillamy, the, the reason for that is I think it's, I'm pretty sure it's the quickest corner across the top of the mountain, you know, as you sort of build up under the tree and through the grate, um, and the car gets quite nice and light there on entry, and... Yeah, it's just a the, the whole track's a commitment track, but you know I think that's definite commitment corner, and yeah, it's provided some some great footage over the years, and you know people coming out on the exit dropping wheels, big L firing across and almost launching it off the mountain, Rocky in the ninety two or ninety one shootout dropping the wheel and getting her all crossed up. So um, yeah, no, just just a good. Huh? And last but not least, I asked state racer turned commentator Cameron Vandendungen what his best corner is in Australian motorsport tracks. Well, my favourite corner in Australian motorsport has to be at Phillip Island. I'm a lifelong member of the Phillip Island Auto Racing Club and you're never going to get anything different from me. There's a lot of corners I love there, but one in particular is Lukey Heights. There's just something special about the way that corner flows and the way it's wind affected in the rain. You've got the, the little idiosyncrasy of where the trucks cross over. So at a turning point in the wet, you've actually got a little bit of a river of water. You can win a race there. You can lose a race there. And it's uh, one of the best motorsports corners, or certainly in uh, Australia, and I would almost argue one of the best in the world. But I've got an honourable mention. The honourable mention is Turn 12, and its original name, well, not an original name, but certainly a name that was known to those back in the, uh, the early days, Belinda's Terrace is what it was known. Now, that corner, turn 12 at Phillip Island, um, was sponsored by a, a, what would you call it, a venue or, or, or a, a house of ill repute up in Carlton, Belinda's Terrace. I think one of the first of its kind to sponsor a corner in Australian motorsport. So there you go, Tony. Just like yourself, Cam's favourite corner of a racetrack is at Phillip Island, although he just couldn't help himself to bring up that men's establishment at uh, the old that at the fast turn 12 there at Phillip Island. I've never actually heard it called that, uh, but that's a good corner too. You know, uh, either the last corner or the first corner of Phillip Island, uh, right up there in my favorite corners. And as we did touch on before we uh, spoke to our guests there, Bathurst was a popular choice amongst the drivers, uh, super fast, risky, rewarding, uh, you're on the the edge of crashing all the time. That's what uh, drivers love. And, uh, you know, that's what they sort of go racing for to try and perfect. Yeah, I think it's a, uh, that, that high risk, high reward is, is what you psychotic race drivers seem to like. Having that, uh, the thrill of going fast, but also those, those high consequences is, um, is what makes a great corner. Of course, the reason why we're talking about this is because we'd asked our loyal parked up Facebook followers to uh, give their best corner in Australian motorsport. And we had uh, such a cool, big, big, big response. And um, of course the lure of winning a cool race fuels hat uh, for the, for the best answers. 
And uh, we had something like 60 responses, Tony. So nice that everyone is is really getting involved and uh, and talking about uh, these things. Of course, there's so many different racetracks around Australia. There's so many different corners, but I thought I'd just pull out a, uh, a couple of the, um, the best answers we had here. Craig Turner says, Murray's Corner at Bathurst, when you're leading at the last lap or just about to start a flyer in the shootout, uh, the crowd noise down there is incredible. So uh, that was a good answer. But the reason why I'm definitely going to mention Craig is he also put in a little footnote here. Uh, by the way, awesome show, great guests. So um, sucking up is definitely going to get you a long way <laughs> in the parked up world, Craig. Thank you very much for that. So lots of answers for turn eight as well. Kobe Collins says turn eight while sitting on the outside of turn nine at Adelaide. Uh, you see all the slides and the commitment. So turn eight gets uh, quite a, a big run. Spencer McFeet, uh, the chase, hands down. So uh, just like you heard John Bow say, Spencer loves the chase. Mark Tini, of course, from Race Fuels, our great friend at Race Fuels. Uh, he says Dandenong Road. So much carnage over the years, but but also so challenging. And they've kind of changed that risk of that corner as well in the past, Tony. Yeah, they recently uh, changed the profile there and they've added a little bit of bitumen to the outside of the circuit and pushed the barrier back a little bit. So uh, the risk isn't uh, quite as high there anymore. It actually encourages you to have a bit more of a crack because you can just run off onto the bitumen and not risk crashing the car. But it did need to happen. We saw some massive shunts there. Somebody stuck their nose down the inside at the last moment. Both cars couldn't go through there side by side and end up uh, in the fence. We've seen that so many times in supercars and state racing and basically any category. Um, there's always been some sort of shunt there because you do approach that corner uh, at warp speed. You know, some cars up in the 260, 270 mark, it's bumpy. There's not a lot of grip. And then when you add another car trying to stick their nose in, suddenly you run out of road pretty quick. So that's a, that's a, a good safety improvement, but it does take some of the risk away from that corner. Now, uh, Johnny Van Leeuwen, the father of Andrew Van Leeuwen, the uh, motorsport.com journalist. Johnny is a longtime Formula Ford uh, competitor and and team owner. And um, he said, just like yourself, Tony, he said turn one at Phillip Island um, is uh, is pretty cool. In fact, uh, very few corners at Phillip Island disappoint. And Mitch Drysdale says turn one, lap one, Bathurst 1000. No. That actually, that is scary. I'll give it to him. It's probably one of the scariest moments in Australian motorsport, especially if you're starting the Bathurst 1000. You got all the uh, pressure of the race team on your shoulders uh, to start their day well, and everyone's trying to jostle for a position to try and uh, start their day well. So you got to try and stay out of trouble, and it can be quite tight at Turn One at Bathurst. Now the little Duckman Dowie Jones says the hay shed at Phillip Island. Do you reckon they still keep hay in the shed? <laughs> I'm not sure. I should check next time I'm there, but they probably do, you know. I reckon uh, just for namesake, they've got to try and at least like keep one bale of hay in there. Otherwise, they can't call it um, the hay shed anymore. <laughs> so John Alford says the top of Bitchapave Hill at Amaru, which is a uh, another circuit, unfortunately, that is um, that is just no longer with us. Some of these old school circuits, though, like an Amaru, Man, it's scary to drive at speed around those tracks. I mean, a lot of those race drivers back in the day, the cars wouldn't have been as safe. Okay, they're not quite going as fast, but big balls, man. 
they got big, big balls. Of course, someone had to mention the hairpin at Simmons Plains. It was Paul Smythe. I like that corner. That's a good corner. You know, you, you come barreling down there, grab a handful of lock, try and get through it and punch out the other side and try and pass the guy in front of you. So that's, that's got quite a bit of character, that corner. Uh, there you go. And Rob Huffer says, the corner in my, in my house with the TV because in ISO I'm parked up and able to watch every race. We're all in that boat, mate. That's right. We are with him. Uh, okay, so we're going to pick. Um, we're going to pick two winners. Um, and there, b- before we pick the two winners, old Matty Kid uh, says his favourite corner is the exit onto the Hume after leaving Winton. <laughs> now, Matty Kid used to work for our race team. I'm, I'm hoping that he's not referring to our test days at Winton over the years and uh, he was just so keen to get back to Melbourne uh, maybe when he moved on to some other teams and he didn't enjoy his time so much but that's that's a that's a funny one there thank you Matt for uh, joining in the conversation nice one and uh, look, you've got to be careful because uh, we are pretty excited to get home after you finished at Winton you're you're pretty keen to get home and uh, you're straight out onto a 110 kilometers which basically lasts for an hour and a half before you get back into melbourne so the old right foot can get a Mm. little excited and particularly after big meetings the old uh stewards um aka the police don't mind um sitting near the exit of um of winton's uh winton there to just to ensure that you're doing the limit so you do need to be pretty careful I do have a little story there, Grant. Uh, oh, when man. I first, how much did this cost you? How many points? Wasn't good. Uh, when I first got my license, and I was racing Formula Ford, and all day I'm adjusting to the the speed of the Formula Ford, and I hop back in my little Rodeo Ute to to drive home, and I'm going down the freeway at like 140 k's without even knowing it because it felt so slow because I've just yeah. been doing 250 in a, or 240 in a, in a Formula Ford. And I got pulled over twice on the oh, way no. home. Yeah, it wasn't a good day, that one. But I just I couldn't adjust my speed. It just you know, it felt like I was going so slow. And the, the car I was driving was so old that it didn't have cruise control or anything like that. So <laughs> that was an expensive trip home. I think I actually did it twice. <laughs> That uh, would have cost you more money in fines than it would have cost you to run the Formula Ford for the day. Yeah, well, I was just lucky I didn't lose my license. I think one of them was a camera, so I I think I gave that one to (laughs) mum. Oh, good. Old mum, always there to uh, help out when needed. All right, so look, we've got to give away two race fuels hats. The very, very cool race fuels hats. Only the coolest of the people in the paddocks wear these race fuel hats. So I've seen, I've seen uh, Jimmy Golding. I've seen Nick Perkat. Uh, I've seen uh, Nick Carroll. Some yeah. of the greats, they all wear the race no, fuel well, they're, hats. They're just the cool dudes. They're the cool dudes. That's right. So if you want to be cool and hang out with them, you've got to wear a race fuels hat. There you go. Uh, so Rod Smith, he's going to win a hat because he mentioned Forrest Elbow. 
But if you lose an elbow to get a name, a corner named after you, then it's got to be pretty special. Of course, Forest Elbow is the corner that leads on to, on to Conrod Strait. And um, poor old uh, Jack has uh, lost an elbow. Uh, and that's the reason why it's called Forest Elbow. So um, Rod Smith, you'll get a hat for that. Um, and the other hat that, uh, the other winner is Daniel Sugdit. Uh, Daniel's a longtime member of the Australian Motorsport Paddock, and he mentioned the dog leg at Oran Park. And because that was my favourite, that means <laughs> it has to be the right answer. So congratulations, Daniel. You have also won a race fuels hat, and you will look cool rolling around the paddocks of the Australian Motorsport Circuits. And we thank some of the legends that uh, took their time to give us their thoughts on their best corners of Australian motorsport. Tony D, that is enough talking about tracks let's get into the news okay this is the news and from next week the news tony has a major sponsor we have a major sponsor for the news section on the parked up podcast that's pretty cool isn't it it's fantastic to have a new sponsor on board. Just shows that we are chipping away at it, Grant, and uh, I'm getting closer to retirement each episode. <laughs> now, tell us who this sponsor is. Yeah, so motorsportwebsites.com.au has come on as our new sponsor. So Shane Tanner, who we'll grab for a chat very shortly, has been kind enough to pledge some support for our fledgling Parked Up podcast which is fantastic. Uh, Shane obviously saw that we don't have a website. We don't have a home on the World Wide Web. So he's going to give us a home and you'll be able to find us very shortly. It's not there yet. Don't waste your time going on to <laughs> your, your Chrome or your Safari just yet to, um, to look us up. But we'll be parkedup.com.au. Kind of pretty simple. You probably could have guessed it yourself. Uh, and Shane is going to uh, build us a site to uh, to bring our podcast to life on the World Wide Web. So we thought we'd grab Shane for a quick chat for him to tell us a little bit about his business. And it's great to welcome our brand new sponsor onto the Parked Up podcast. It's motorsportwebsites.com.au. And to join us from Motorsport Websites, it's Shane Tanner. Shane, thanks for joining us and thanks for supporting us. No problem. Glad to be here. Mate, uh, just tell us a little bit about motorsport uh, websites. Obviously, you've uh, listened to our podcast and you've probably looked online and seen that we don't have a web page. Uh, we appreciate you coming on to help us and there'll be a new website soon, a uh, new website for us. So just tell us a little bit about motorsportwebsites.com.au. Yeah, so I've um, got a background in, in motorsport and um, being a competitor and also working in the industry myself, saw a bit of a gap in the um, marketplace to sort of help the young up and coming drivers and the people sort of the grassroots sort of area to sort of get noticed and um, sort of get their profile out and about. And uh, yeah, come up with the idea of motorsportwebsites.com.au to help with um, all the branding and just get the drivers, teams, competitors name out there, get them noticed, um, help with their sponsors, their profile, because a lot of these young guys are uh, quite good and up and coming and uh, would have a pretty long career. And if they don't have the right sort of branding and stuff behind them, then they could sort of fall over. And I sort of thought, well, I can jump on board, got a bit of a background in signage, um, small business, marketing, and um, yeah, I thought this could be a perfect opportunity to, uh, to help out. 
Amazing. I think the best thing you said there is that you said that we're up and comers. I like it. Yes. Yeah. So everybody from, you know, grassroots go-karts, um, radio control cars, bikes, even if you race a shopping trolley, I can definitely help you guys out. <laughs> now, Shane, uh, Grant tells me that you've got a, a bit of a history in motorsport yourself as a driver. And today's podcast is all about uh, talking to drivers and talking about the, their favorite corner in Australian motorsport. Can you tell us a little bit about your background in motorsport, but also which corner you love to actually drive around? Yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, sort of did about 10 years of go-karting. Um, I, I did start a bit late, but um, yeah, did about 10 years of go-karting. Got a few more trophies than you, Grant. Um, <laughs> but, um, uh, I love fun. this. He's sledging you already. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. And, my my um, trophy cabinet isn't very big. Yeah. Yeah. Mine's, I, I got a few trophies, but the wife's still got them uh, buried away in the, uh, in the boxes in the garage. So I'll have to try and dig them out one day. Yeah. So I did a lot of go-karting, sort of worked my way up there. Um, nothing on the national level, just sort of, um, you know, the sort of Canberra and surrounding meetings which I really really enjoyed and sort of learnt my craft a bit then moved up to production cars again sort of in the double ASA grassroots type um, format which I really really love the, the the camaraderie the help you get from your competitors and a lot of fun that we have which has uh, mm. kept me coming back but yeah trying to move my way up um, not going to be the next you know Mark Weber. I'm just going to try and keep it fun and and a uh, bit of a social thing I do around the kids and the family but um I might have to get you involved, Tony, as my co-driver for my next endurance race. <laughs> hey, that sounds good. I'm looking for any, uh, any mileage I can get my hands on at the moment uh, with this lockdown. Now, you, d you did forget to tell us, though, what your favourite corner is. I I've got to get it out of you. <laughs> That's true. Um, look, probably turn one at Eastern Creek. I just find that one okay, good. very, very challenging. Um, every time I've sort of been there, you try and go a little bit deeper, a little bit deeper. You try and scare yourself a bit more. Um, I think you go pretty well. Then I've actually stood on the wall and actually then, you know, watched the professionals go through there and go, yeah, I can't go that deep. So uh, my, mine was uh, turn one at Phillip Island, which is quite similar. You okay. can go faster than what you think. And yeah. it's just how brave you want to be. Yeah. Yeah. So um, one goes left, one goes right. Don't get them mixed <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. I do love, yeah. Turn one Eastern Creek. But also I do a lot of Wakefield Park and I kind of find uh, sort of coming down the hill to the fish hook and that sort of area there can be quite fun. Well, Shane, we thank you so much for jumping on board as Parked Up's second ever sponsor. Of course, we've got Race Fuels, who we're powered by, but uh, now we're going to have a website uh, that's going to be brought to you by motorsportwebsites.com.au and our new section is going to be proudly presented uh, by your fine business. So uh, we thank you for having us on your journey uh, and uh, the world can look out for the new Parked Up .com.au that'll be launched real soon and we'll, uh, we'll let you know about that. And, and Shane, we thank you so much for your help with that. Pleasure. And I look forward to doing the website for you. And just before I go, if everyone jumps on to motorsportwebsites.com.au, I've got an opening special um, in conjunction with being on Parked Up. Some really, really good uh, specials I've got going and it goes live. So jump on board and we'll look after you. And we thank Shane and the motorsportwebsites.com.au team for coming on board as a Parked Up podcast sponsor. That's two sponsors now, Tony D, Race Fuels, motorsportwebsites.com.au. Um, who's next? Apple? Pepsi? Well, that, that'd be a great one, yeah. I mean, we're running out of segments to name them after, but I'm <laughs> sure we can come up with some new segments. No, brilliant. And it's good that 
that uh, Shane has got a history in motorsport and he's actually helping a lot of young guys to uh, get their social media presence under control, uh, building the websites. And it's very important these days to have that social media platform behind you and to do a professional job of it because that's what sponsors are looking for. And uh, Shane is doing a great job there helping the young guys and girls to uh, get that all sorted and then they can just focus on the racing. Yep, we can't thank him enough. So look out for motorsportwebsites.com.au and the new parkedup.com.au website, which will come online really shortly. So that is the lead story in world motorsport, obviously. (laughs) The second big story, we had some racing on the weekend and Scott McLaughlin, who we're going to catch up with shortly, was in absolute dominant form. Three wins, no one could touch him. I'm a little bit disappointed, to be honest. He uh, missed out on one pole position and uh, it's just not good enough. Just not good enough. No, no, no. Uh, Amazing weekend for Scott. Um, He executed the weekend perfectly. I was unsure if he was going to have the dominance that we sort of saw the weekend before where he was managed to grab pole positions and uh, a race win there as well. But uh, it, it felt like he'd come back even stronger. He opened up his gap in the championship um, so it was all good news for Shell V Power. Red Bull had a pretty strong weekend, but uh, you know they ended up losing some points, valuable points in the championship there. And uh, Scott has uh, skipped away a little bit. So going to Townsville, though, who knows? The tables yeah. could turn. Yep, two more supercars weekends back to back. So we've got wall to wall racing on the local front. Uh, the the one team who I felt, and I think uh, you'll probably agree, who who went over and above at Hidden Valley, particularly in the weekend's racing that we just saw, was Team 18. Uh, mm. Mark Winterbottom in the Irwin Commodore has been there or thereabouts inside mm. that top 10 for for the balance of the season and has been consistently in the top 10 in the championship. And, and Scott Pye had a bit of a shocker at... At Adelaide, Adelaide, and but has rebounded very, very strong. Uh, so strong, in fact, that he picked up a podium in the first Darwin a couple of weeks ago. He picked up two more. Uh, Mark Winterbottom also picking up a handful of top fives and top tens. So that team was the one who stood out for me the most in Darwin. Do you agree? Absolutely. Those guys were really quick. Um, they're a Triple Eight customer, so they have a Triple Eight chassis and buy their equipment from the factory team uh, but on the weekend uh, they were ahead of them so very very cool to see how that small team actually improved uh, after the first Darwin weekend they were strong in the first one but came back even stronger they found something in those cars to turn them on and uh, very impressive to see Scott Pye get those podiums I was a little frustrated for Frosty though I felt as though he had a couple of podiums in his own performance as well, because one of the races he had a slow pit stop, which was unfortunate. I think he finished fifth or sixth in that one. And then the last race he steamed through on fresher tires. Um, but Shane Van Gisbergen made it super difficult uh, for Frosty when he was trying to come through and they made a little bit of contact and Shane and triple eight actually put a protest in on Mark. But to be honest, Shane was moving all over the circuit to try and keep Mark behind him and I felt like, you know, rubbing is racing uh, in, in those sort of circumstances there. And uh, Frosty, I don't think, did anything wrong there. But it did hold him up for quite a few laps. And it, 
it gave the drivers ahead of him the chance to pull away, one being his teammate in Scott Pye. And Nick Perkett had a stellar race in race three there and finished second as well. So he's had a really strong run. So between BJR and Team 18, they've had a big improvement. And they're sort of giving it to uh, these bigger teams, which um, in previous years, we haven't seen that so much. Yeah, really good to see uh, some new faces or certainly a new team. Mark Winterbottom, certainly by no stretch, is a new face. He's a Bathurst winner, a Australian touring car champion, so he definitely knows his way around it. But to see Charlie Schwerkholz, Team 18, uh, get up there and, and, and start getting results and, and punch quite high is, uh, is really encouraging. So I grabbed Charlie for a very quick chat to see what he thought of the Darwin weekend. An absolute fantastic weekend for Team 18. It, it was just amazing. It's certainly our greatest weekend as a team. And the best thing about it, we uh, we had hard tyres and soft tyres on, on the weekend before and we snagged a podium, but we really backed it up and uh, did it all on soft tyres, all even playing field, and uh, showed the true speed and momentum that Team 18's got. So... Absolutely thrilled a bit. It's great for the sponsors. It's great for the guys in the team. Some of these guys have worked for the team for three years and hadn't seen a trophy, so it's so important for them. And, uh, and of course, really important for the two drivers. We're sitting really good in the championship for, for Frosty. He's in seventh at the moment with only about 20 points to get to fifth. Again, you know, we've got our goals there. It'd be great to be in the top five at the end of the year, and I think that's achievable. I really do. And uh, and Scotty, unfortunately, had a couple of DNFs in Adelaide, which set him back. He's sitting in 14th, and, you know, our goal would be get to 10th on that car. So lots of work to do, but the big thing now is momentum. We've got to build the momentum uh, going into Townsville and prove that we're a, a cohesive team, all on the same page and, and pushing hard. So there you go, top five goals for Frosty, and because of Scott's Difficult start to the year. Top 10 is what Charlie would like to see Scott end up with. But um, it would be remiss of me not to ask what the uh, celebrations were like on Sunday. Celebration Sunday night. Well, look, I think everyone's a little bit tired and the heat really knocks everyone around, the midgy bites and all that. But we grabbed some fish and chips uh, from down at uh, Cullen Bay at the waterfront there. Um, we got a great uh, an apartment here at Magnum Apartments in Darwin and uh, we all went up to the pool, uh, the rooftop deck here, and we all had fish and chips and stirred each other up, had, had quite a few beers and, and yeah, it was really, really a, a good night. And I, I think some of the young ones... Uh, went out for a few beers and, and laughs later. But uh, being an old one, I uh, I went to bed about 10 o'clock. But uh, it was great to celebrate just as, just our team that's really bonded uh, so well together. So, yeah, it was, it was great fun. And we thank Charlie for his time. Fish and chips were on the order. A couple of, uh, a couple of brews, that's not a bad way. And, and a few trophies as well. It's not a bad way to end a weekend. No, they deserved uh, to have... A few brews after that one. That's that's a really good weekend for those guys that, uh, you know, have done it tough. And uh, the, the the trick will be to make sure that it's not just uh, speed the found at Darwin. Hopefully they can translate that to Townsville uh, this weekend uh, and other races coming up because I suppose the big teams, they can do it weekend after weekend. And that's going to be the real challenge for a smaller team. In saying that, though, they have some really smart people in that organisation. Phil Keed, 
he's one of the engineers. Um, you know, he's, he's been in the game a very long time. So I think he's, he's finally sort of getting his head around the AAA car and implementing a few of his own ideas. And uh, they're also very good on strategy, those boys. So come Bathurst time, they've got some strong co-drivers as well. They, uh, they're going to be in the mix for sure. Now, Scott McLaughlin was obviously the big news and we're going to catch up with him very shortly. And Team 18 was also up there taking away a few trophies. But Tony, the biggest star of the Darwin weekend had to be young Lex Kelly. <laughs> he was a crowd favourite. So funny, the comments and the questions he was asking the drivers. Uh, he's definitely got a future in uh, commentary and on TV, I reckon. Yeah, Rick's quite a cheeky character. So yep. I'm not surprised that young Lex is uh, taking after his old man. But uh, yeah, that, that was a cool, cool uh, little part of the broadcast there. I enjoyed that. I actually really enjoyed uh, the fact that, like he was obviously fed a couple of questions from the producers or or from Rick or from Alicia Kelly, uh, his, his mum, Rick's wife, who, um, who would have been there alongside. Uh, but he was able to have like, you know, a little bit of banter with them, come go back and forward um, for yeah. a five-year-old kid. That's really impressive. Well, the second question, no doubt, come from his own mind, you know, like that, that uh, was off the cusp. So, uh, yeah, definitely the first couple, like uh, especially with Chaz, why do you keep crashing into Cam Waters? <laughs> that was quite <laughs> funny. Uh, Scotty McLaughlin, why don't you let other people win the race? Uh, so, yeah, quite cheeky. Uh, it was a bit refreshing to have somebody new on the, uh, on the broadcast. And, you know, a lot of us have kids, so it's something that we can relate to as well. Now, besides that beautiful Darwin heat, which we both definitely missed, there was also some other racing going on uh, in different parts of the world. There was the world-famous Indy 500, which was won by Takuma Sato, the former Formula One Japanese driver. Uh, he took a quite a narrow victory over Scott Dixon. So that's uh, Takuma's second Indy 500 crown. We did have an Australian. We had a couple of Australians in there. Of course, Will Power, he just he finished down in 14th, not really his day. And we also had James Davison over there competing in another Indy 500. But his race ended after four laps with a brake master cylinder that blew up in absolute spectacular fashion, Tony. I don't know if you saw the photo of it, but um, I did. she was a uh, pretty spectacular way to end, end the race over there. We also had MotoGP. Back at Austria again, just like Formula One, two events in a row there. Miguel uh, Oliveira beat home Australia's Jack Miller. Saw another massive shunt. Those guys are like complete psychopaths. How do they, they do are, that? They are absolutely crazy, Grant. We saw a massive shunt there. Uh, the brakes failed. An old mate just jumped off the bike at the last minute so he wouldn't hit the barriers. And he sort of skidded down the road. And the bike just kept going and absolutely destroyed itself. So that's the second week in a row that we've seen two massive shunts from MotoGP. They're, they're, obviously, they're absolutely the, the excitement machines, but I don't know if I'd want to be sitting on the back of one because they seem to crash a lot. Yeah, that, that's uh, incredible. But they also produce some absolutely incredible racing. I mean, we had no idea who was uh, going to win that race right up until the last corner. For Jack Miller to finish second, that's great, but... In the entertainment stakes, it's just uh, the the best type of motorsport going around at the moment. So if you don't watch any MotoGP, do yourself a favour and jump on. doesn't matter if it's Moto3, Moto2 or the World Championship. It is definitely worth it. 
Now, Tony D, that's enough for the news. Let's get into our chat with Scott McLaughlin. But before we get there, we've actually got a brand new advert for our longtime partner, The Race Fields. We've uh, cooked up this little uh, advert. Let's give it a play. Racing cars need racing fuel, and Race Fuels is the best, most convenient way to power through your next meeting. Our famous Elf Race 102 is the control fuel of choice for the Touring Car Masters. It's available at the Bowsers, at Sydney Motorsport Park and the Bend, and it's available in drums at Winton. Imported direct from France, Elf Race 102 is affordable horsepower. For more details, head to racefuels.com.au. And of course, we thank the great support of our Race Fuels partner. Tony, what do you think of the little ad? <laughs> Very creative, Grant. Well done. I like it. I don't expect anything less of you, though. So you're looking after the, the Race Fuels. <laughs> Didn't we discuss this? Yes. It's just Race so, Fuels. But Mark, Mark from the Race Fuels loves the fact that we've just started chucking in uh, the before there. we uh is he gonna change start. the logo <laughs> <laughs> uh not I, i'm not sure i don't think so anyway it's it's nice and fun okay cool now it is time to talk uh it's he's not the goat we've, we've spoken to the goat before we've spoken to jamie winkup but this is the current goat this is the guy who is the best in the field at the moment he drives for the shell v power djr team penske racing team his name is Scott McLaughlin. He's currently leading the Supercars Championship. He's won the last two. He's the reigning Bathurst 1000 winner. He's just surpassed Peter Brock's record of race wins in the Australian Touring Car Championship. The guy is a freak. He will go down as a legend. And we're going to grab him on the phone. As we do, Tony D, press the buttons. And it's great to welcome the two-time Supercars champion, Scott McLaughlin, to the Parked Up podcast. Scott, thanks for joining us. Boys, thanks for having me. I've heard many great things about this podcast. It's very nice to be a part of it for once and been honoured to be on your show. It's, oh, it's, it's one of the greats. It's easily inside the top 10 motorsport podcasts in Australia. So uh, <laughs> we're, we're, we're right in there. We're right in there. Mate, it's, uh, it's been great to see you uh, out, on, out on the track and... Usually, the first question that we ask is uh, ask our guests, "How is your your COVID story, or you know, how's your time been?" But you know, we've seen lots of you. We've seen you uh, doing online racing, and we've seen you sort of back in the real world. You know, some might forgive you for the, not even realizing that there's actually a pandemic going on out there. Well. <sighs> For one thing, I think uh, being in Darwin, as long as we have about three weeks or so, it's up here, it's so more chilled out in regards to the COVID thing. It's it's a thing. Everyone understands the social distancing and all that. We're taking it pretty serious. But the just the general news and stuff isn't like flat out about COVID and all that sort of stuff. So it's actually been quite refreshing um, being here and, 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 you know, racing, obviously, but being in the heat and whatever. But... Yeah, it's it's been been pretty wild, you know, since basically the Grand Prix for everyone. Um, life's changed more than we'll, and it'll never probably be the same, unfortunately. Um, but you know, everyone, like you said, everyone's got a story, and mine's been pretty good. Apart from the only thing that's probably been negative is probably missing out on the IndyCar chance. Um, but apart from that, it's, it's been pretty smooth sailing. I'm really proud of how we've been going on the track. That's for sure. Okay, so we can touch on the IndyCar stuff a little bit later on. Obviously, a brilliant weekend in Darwin, uh, a clean sweep. 
And uh, the only thing I'm a little bit disappointed about, mate, you let me down. Uh, you missed out on one pole position. You know, pull <laughs> oh, your socks up, will you? Oh, man. I don't know. Yeah, no, I stuffed <laughs> up. Uh, to be honest, uh, my, um, I was happy with my qualifying on Saturday. And this is Darwin too. Um, but it's just Jamie had cloud cover. It was just a, a, a unreal freakish time. He just had the whole lap of cloud cover and then it come out and mm. it was sunny for everyone else. So I was pretty happy with that lap. And then um, Sunday was as much as we got pole, I, I, I didn't drive well um, to my liking. I just was a bit um, safe and didn't probably get the ultimate speed out of the car. And uh, basically knew halfway, three quarters through the lap that I missed out. I was going to miss out. I was going to be tight with gears. And yeah, it turned out to be like 300s or something we missed out on. So, but the car was from week to week. Um, yeah, we just kept, kept improving. Mm. Uh, as, a, as a squad, myself, Ludo and Rich, you know how we work, Tony. Like we've, we're very close knit and he understands me a lot. And I'm very lucky in that regard. Both of them understand me a lot and worked a bit on driving and then worked a bit on just what I needed from the car. We went for a track walk on the Monday after the first Darwin, which was really beneficial because I could basically fresh in my mind, tell, you know, Ludo and Richard exactly what I want out of the car, what points. And you don't normally get to do that. You go for a track walk straight after the race. So it was um, really beneficial. So I'm really proud of how we went in the Darwin too. Yeah, really unique scenario there to be able to back it up the following week. It gave everyone opportunity, though, to uh, close the gap. But I think uh, you seem to almost extend it, especially in race pace. I felt that your, your race pace was better, even better than the week before, and no one really got that close. Probably got a little closer in quali, but to get all, you know, to get the race wins over the weekend and to get ahead of Brocky now uh, on 50, 51 wins now uh, after yesterday's race three win. It's a pretty amazing achievement. Yeah, thanks, man. It's, it's um, yeah, really proud moment for me and my family. You know, it's um, I always it's struggle to compare errors. It's the same with you know Michael Jordan and and LeBron James and basketball. It's hard to compare everyone's errors, but to just be in amongst you know the the greats of the sport and, and wins mm. and being able to have won so much, I just I'm privileged to drive for this team and this car and then the teams I've driven previously. You know. Like the, I definitely agree with you. I think everyone caught up in qualifying. I don't think we had our edge that we did on qualifying um, from the week before. So that was uh, improved by the other teams. And then um, in the race, though, we were, uh, yeah, the car was just unbelievable. It looked after its tyres. I think across the whole race, you know, the stint, my second stint after the after the pit stop, you know, I dropped a half a second or something over the over the whole run. And there's not too much degradation there, but it's. Uh, you know, it's still enough where people were dropping a lot more than we were. And that's what was really good and where we got our pace. It looked really hot in the car. Uh, do you just survive the second race? Okay. Cause they were quite close. Sorry. The second race and the third race. Yeah, it was, um, yeah, very, very warm. Uh, just tried to m- mindset wise. I was just thinking of it as it's basically a 200 K race. Just, I mm. just split up in half. So, um i yeah it was it was warm but we had all the apparatuses and you know the eskies that we have that we plug mm. our cool suits in which are amazing the team does such a good job with that ice bath was there yeah so we were really and i feel really good after um i actually was more sore last week um i think just because we hadn't driven for a while and now that i've driven um it's sort of today i actually feel fresh apart from my headache <laughs> well not long until you get back out you've got townsville next week Probably more tire deg than what we saw at, at Hidden Valley. Is that what you're expecting? 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think, um, it, it, yeah, tie deg is going to be a big talking point and, and who takes four, who takes two, um, you know, who saves the ties to qualify well. I think it'd be a bit more like S&P. Um, you know, we're always going to have a pretty bland race uh, on one compound uh, yep. and pace-driven race at Darwin just because there's no deg, hardly any deg. So uh, I'm excited to see what happens and definitely going to be a lot more complicated um, in Townsville next week. Now, uh, before we talk of any more supercars, let's uh, let's switch to some IndyCar action. Now, obviously, you went over and and did some real cool tests. Uh, you know, not many months ago, the world's changed a little bit before. Mm. You know, since then. But um, before we talk about any of that testing, did you wake up and watch the Indy Five Hundred uh, last night or this morning, or did you uh, did you time your uh, coming back from monsoons uh, just in time to um, to uh, to catch it? My timer was impeccable today, so uh, I think I, I, I got it, I got home fifteen minutes before red uh, green flag. So we, we were going all right. Um, nah, it's uh, yeah, I, I definitely stayed up. Um, I was definitely about 25, 30 laps. I fell asleep for a little bit and then uh, caught the caught the race. Um, yeah, some big shunts there, but uh, it was, it was mm. um, yeah, pretty pretty as you always expect. The the, the speeds are so fast there. Um, such an exciting race, so cool. And um, yeah, and and I guess now having driven an oval and, and driven like a, a, the car at, at that speed, I think like when I did the test at Texas, I was doing sort of two twenty five, two thirty, and that's the same as two uh, mile an hour. So that's the same as what um, you know they were doing in the race trim there at Indy. So um, yeah, you sort of understand it and know what they're going through. Apart from you know, I haven't been in traffic, but it was it was very cool to get up and watch. I was going to say, uh, now you've sort of been in the car, you can relate to the drivers a little bit more. We didn't see Team Penske have an amazing weekend. Obviously, they won it last year. Do you have any background on why uh, the team struggled a bit more than what they have in the past? I think um, Honda just come with a really good package though with their engine, um, especially in qualifying. That apparently, there's reports of them like being almost 50 horsepower more than, uh, than some of the chefs. So, um, and... The thing with IndyCar is it's very much a spec sort of chassis and what they can do. And they can do some stuff with springs, obviously, and whatever. But um, when it comes to manufacturer, there's no basically limit on cost. So basically, they let the manufacturers spend as much money as they want or whatever. So it's basically a free-for-all. So every year, it's basically a war between um, the engine manufacturers. And back in the day, yeah. it used to be a war between the engine manufacturers and also what aero package each manufacturer would, would decide um, but yeah, so I think they did struggle this year with a bit of um, engine power and qualifying, which mean they qualify at the back mm. and you just struggle to catch that track position all day. Mm. Yeah. So where does it uh, sit for you in IndyCar now? I mean, uh, there's obviously, you did the testing early in the year and there was sort of uh, a few reports that you're going to do a few races this year. And that was sort of on the cards. Mm. Everything's changed. Um, is there still a plan to maybe try and do a race this year or is that just out of the question? Uh, oh, look, it's tough. You know, I think if calendars align and stuff, maybe, uh, depends like now, obviously supercars is, you know, maybe finishing early or whatever. Um, but I'm, I'm, I'm not really sure. Um, yeah, it's unfortunate. Uh, but yeah, look, I think, you know, I trust, you know, what the team do, um, in, a, in regards to a process, you know, how diligent they are with all that sort of stuff. And, um, yeah, I, I fully believe one day I'll, be in a race at some point it's just uh when i'm i'm not exactly sure 
the biggest thing that you know probably screwed me over the most was the quarantine periods so i just i couldn't get like i couldn't do my two weeks uh quarantine when i got to the states which was a protocol of team penske not necessarily the country the united states as a protocol for them to keep everything safe um so i had to do it two weeks when i got there and then obviously two weeks when i come back so basically i'm a month out of mm. just of with quarantine not even yep. being away so um that was really the most the problem that was my spanner in my work so uh unfortunately um you know, it hurt watching the Indy race and, and um, yeah, Indy uh, GP earlier uh, in August or whenever it was, July, and thinking that you should have been in it. But, um, you know, fingers crossed it, you know, all happens uh, sometime soon. Scott, you got confused with your months, you know, was that July or was that June? But down yeah. here in Melbourne, it's uh, we're confused about whether it's Sunday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday. They're all just <laughs> flowing into uh, each other. Uh, I, I feel bad. I, I had... Um, I've, I've just got a couple of friends down there from living there in the past and yeah, just said that the weather for you guys poor blokes far out. Oh, it's just, it's, it, oh, I saw the video and it was just like grim. Oh it didn't God. make it, it miserable. Did, didn't make it any better that we were watching you guys up there in nice 35 <laughs> Sweltering. Yes. Yeah, just sweating. <laughs> yeah. Rings off. Yeah, it was crazy. Just yeah. uh, just one more thing on the IndyCar stuff. Do you do you have much comms with the guys over there? Uh, you know, I guess if you're going to do a race meeting, you want to be as prepared as as you can, and and being part of you know their debriefs or being part of you know how they go about their uh, their their race day stuff or race weekend stuff. Uh, do you, do you get much info from you know even from the from the Indy 500 or, or or whatever event it is, just so you can see how all those processes work? Yeah, so I've been sort of keeping in the loop with obviously Tim and Roger and and the team, but also my um, my engineer who was Jonathan Duguid, who was meant to be my engineer over there. Um, when I raced, um, he was actually Alio's uh, engine. But basically, that that car of Alio's was my crew for NDGP and stuff like that. So um, they were always keeping me in the loop, and um, you know, I was sort of listening into the radio and stuff. They sort of hooked me up with that for the race today, so I could oh, understand. That's cool. Yeah, all the spotters, and um, you know, they're discussing strategies and all that sort of stuff. So you sort of um, learning all the fuel codes and just like stuff like that. That you know. Um, one day I might need and um, yeah they, they definitely keep me in the loop with you know how the schedules are and, and explaining you know what they um, you know they have five hours of practice but the way they spread it out because you know, engines get hot so it makes it slower on a straight line so they got to give it about two hours to cool down so they basically have no no track time for two hours so yeah so I got a lot of probably this month with the Indy 500 um, was the most info I've had because my engineer was actually full on into it. Um, but it's cool, you know, just keeping in the loop and, and even with the drivers, I've, I've probably been really uh, you know, kept in contact with basically all of them. Um, Simon, Will, uh, Joseph, and even Alio just uh, texts here and there and just talking about things. And it's, it's, um, yeah, it's been good. Now. Uh, so, so in our worlds, I racing, is is pretty big and we saw you uh absolutely flat out on that during the uh first lockdown but uh call of duty is the world's biggest online game and 
Um, and we've seen your name pop up uh, on a couple of occasions. I think Tony might have even uh, tweeted the fact that he uh, he saw you or he was spying on you or every something. Every time on Discord. Every time. Oh, on Discord. I don't. I don't log into Discord anymore. <laughs> <laughs> uh, is it? A, is it the Call of Duty? It's 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 definitely not a ga- like I enjoy playing the game. I'm not mm. very good at it, but. Mm. Um, is it just a bit of a release for you? Uh, Completely. You know, getting to shoot a couple of dudes and yeah. <laughs> no consequences. It's, it's a, it doesn't sound like a release. and it, Sometimes it doesn't. It's, I get more angry on that than I do on anything else. But um, <laughs> no, I, I uh, it's the first time this year. I've had obviously a bit of free time between the races and when I got home. So I've just got like, I, I bought a gaming laptop so I could take everywhere with me. And, and uh, I've been playing games and, and especially Call of Duty. Um, so I can play anything on that, but it's, yeah, it is a good release for me. Some people, you know, read books, some people watch racing, whatever. I, I, I <laughs> it's funny, you know, like uh, Saturday night, you know, both Saturdays I've been coming back and, you know, jumping on Call of Duty with Anton and a couple of the boys and just, and, and talking crap to about nine thirty, ten o'clock and go, all right, I'll see you at the track tomorrow and go to bed. <laughs> so, but it's a good way because I don't actually like look at social media and, uh, and, and, you know, dwell on like bad results, like especially my bad result on Saturday last week, you know, I, I could have dwelled on that and seen everyone getting into me about mis- making a mistake and whatever. But, you know, I jumped on the computer and I was basically oblivious to social media for a whole night, which was really nice. Just pulled out a sniper rifle or two and just um, <laughs> yeah. took, out some, took out any frustrations out. <laughs> the boys knew I needed to take some frustration out. So yeah, <laughs> we jumped in the gulag. It was good. That was a rare mistake though. And, uh, you know, Obviously, at that moment there, when everyone was propping for uh, at the restart, it was quite strange why all the drivers were sort of acting like that. Because mm. Anton sort of got on with the business, but then it was all these drivers just propping and making life difficult. What was the go there? Yeah, I think um, race control stuffed it up a little bit because they released the safety car too late. And um, the safety car isn't like a, the Formula 1 one. It's not that fast. You know, like it, mm-hmm. it doesn't get it. need to good half a lap to get away from us and then the problem was Anton hadn't seen a green flag so he didn't know when to go and otherwise he probably would have gone before the last corner I mean I, I if I was in his position I would um but you, you don't you don't want to jeopardize yourself anyway but I, I personally I just had a huge brain fart just absolutely mm. completely um forgot the rule I, I never made that mistake in my career and um, yeah, I chose then to be the first time to do it. So uh, luckily, Jamie had a um, problem as well or a mm. penalty. So we didn't lose too many points. But it's one of those races that what could have been because we were pr- pr- pretty solidly going to be fourth or fifth there. So, um, but yeah, completely just massive brain fart, thinking too far ahead of the race um, and, and made the mistake. And, and um, yeah, just got too excited. You know, when you get a run, like, you know, you just get a run down into, you know, a straight and you're like, oh, I want to mm-hmm. keep it going. I don't want to back off. And when I went across the line, I'm like, oh, oh, crap. That's not, that's not good. I shouldn't have done that. So, uh, yeah, it was pretty bad. It was a tricky one because um, James got such a bad run out of last corner and mm. um, you end up hurting yourself because uh, you let him go and then lost a couple more spots to other guys that stuck their nose in. So mm. it was a double whammy for you uh, in that, instance but yeah obviously a rule is a rule and they've got to uh, abide by that Mm. um now going ahead though to townsville um you've got a really healthy championship lead you've extended that lead um on jamie he's been super super strong and 
Triple Eight have also been very strong at Townsville in the past. So it's going to be a, probably a challenging couple of weekends. Yeah, look, I think um, it hasn't been our strongest track, Tony, at the at the best of times. So, you know, we've had wins there before, but we've mm. definitely ha- had to push for them. So, um, yeah, tough, like I said before, tough on tyres. Uh, it's going to be, you know, a track here, like Triple Eight is strong there. So if we're... Um, but at the same time, Adelaide this year, we were really good. And um, the car was good over the bumps and the curbs and whatever. So it gives me a bit of confidence heading in and knowing our tyre degradation on the weekend and the way that we've, you know, really honed in on that. I'm really excited to see what we've got. And, um, yeah, see, see, see what happens. But, yeah, it's going to be one of those weekends that I'm, I'm actually, you know, when I come out of and I'm like, oh, thank God that's sort of over. Because, you know, the long run to turn one, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that can go wrong, like a wild card. Um, and then with the Townsville, it's kind of the same. Street tracks, bumps, you know, things can uh, – lower control arms can break, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's going to be a bit of a, you know, hold your breath moment for the weekend, but we'll see what happens. Now, I feel that you've perfected something in your game, mate. Your starts on the weekend went absolutely amazing. I'm still losing the start count. I'm still losing the start count to Fabzo. He is unbelievable (laughs) on on the starts. He always gets me by a little margin, but I'm a lot more consistent. Uh, I am just really comfortable with my bite point now, uh, Mm -hmm. loading the clutch up before the the race start. And I said it on the weekend. I've had basically a phobia ever since 2010 uh, when I first joined DVS and stalling the car and never been able to start well um you know basically not not but i've just never not been comfortable alone, yeah but i've never been comfortable heating the clutch and i've always been nervous about doing that again and now i finally i think i've understood what is too much and what's too little and um mm-hmm. that's what's really helped me now and i'm just comfortable to leave you know where the load is and yeah. then i can go and, and that that's um yeah it's been a big thing for me it's nice to hear that a two-time champion can still learn some new things about yeah. how to make these oh, things go. There's plenty, plenty, plenty to go, plenty to go yet. But um, yeah, like, honestly, I was I was genuinely scared of the clutch. So yeah, I'm glad that it's better now. <laughs> Title number three is definitely a uh, a realistic thing for you, and and in this uh, shortened season, it. Um, Certainly not going to be easier, but, um, you know, the champion will be just crowned earlier and, uh, mm. you know, possibly or probably ending the championship in uh, at Mount Panorama there. So I think regardless of what happens, because of the less rounds that we have and the competitiveness of the, certainly those top two teams, it means that the title is highly likely to be decided at Mount Panorama. Yeah, I, I think that's what everything's been lent towards. Um, and, you know, and it's a wild card in itself. So much can, as you know, so can happen at Bath. There's so many things. So we need to just keep building our lead and using our strengths when we can and using the car pace when we can. Like we did on the weekend, we just executed exactly how we needed to with the car pace we had. I would have been pretty disappointed if we rolled out of there with no wins. So, um, yeah, look, it's, uh, it's, it's, a, it's good foundation at the moment. Um, yeah, we've got two races in Townsville. Maybe there'll be a couple more in Queensland at some point. I'm not really sure if that's going ahead or not. And then, um, yeah, obviously Bathurst and then who knows? I mean, at this stage, it does look like Bathurst is the final and, um, and the probably that will happen. Um, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited. It'd be a different, it would be definitely a, a cool, you know, regard, it would make a, a different feel of Bathurst for sure. A bit like the old days, how they used to have it. 
Now, Slade Dog is joining you as uh, your teammate. I'm, uh, I'm happy about this because his seed insert is actually larger than mine. <laughs> yeah. like, that's unbelievable. But yeah. uh, no, I've been chatting with Slady quite a bit. And, uh, you know, you hear all these rumors about, you know, potential test day or, mm. you know, some co-driver sessions. We're just absolutely itching to get in the car. Oh, I feel bad for you guys, man. Far the, out. Thought, the thought to go to Bathurst and not have mileage under your belt uh, is a little bit daunting. But you know, for Slady, obviously he's come off at least nine years in the main series. So he, he's really fresh. But, you know, not having a lot of mileage in the car and going to uh, the Bathurst 1000 and probably with the championship leader, there's a fair bit of pressure on, on his shoulders. Yeah, I mean, last year we thought that you guys had pressure on your shoulders with, you know, jumping into Bathurst for the very first time. But this year it's going to be tough. Um, you know, yeah, exactly for you, it's probably not too bad because you've driven the car for the last three, four years um, mm-hmm. where, and you sort of understand it. Slade's only really had tail and bend to get used to it. Um, thankfully, he felt reasonably comfortable there. Um, but yeah, and there's little things just, you know, he's very particular with his seat and where he wants things. And, and, um, and I'm definitely gonna have to compromise some stuff because you know, with Alex, uh, we hardly ran a, a seat We'd, he only had like a cushion in his back, so we had no insert, nothing. So um, it's um, it's gonna be yeah, it's gonna be interesting. Uh, something we'll have to work together on. But thankfully, he lives in Gold Coast, and we can sort mm. of meet at the workshop a lot, and and hopefully go through a few driver changes and make sure we get everything right. And then hopefully, when he sits in the car, uh, whether that's in a test day before or or at Bathurst, um, you know, he's he's comfortable and ready to go. Now, Scott, thank you so much for your time on Parked Up. Just one last question before we let you go. The theme for today's Parked Up episode is race drivers' favourite corners in Australian motorsport. Now, none of these Kiwi Kiwi corners. I know you've got some cool cool corners over there in your homeland, New Zealand. Yeah. But uh, your favourite corner in Australian motorsport? Well, oh, can it be a section? I love... I love coming down skyline into the S's, the dipper, the flow, trying to, you know, keep that, um, you know, commit over the top, your two wheels, and then you're down on the curb and you're down gears and trying to modulate the brake, but keep the speed up. It's a, it's a cool part of the track. That's a, it's probably, you know, that section, but let's just say skyline is probably my favorite. A Bathurst. There you have it. If people didn't know, yeah, but I'm sure people know. <laughs> I like it. We we asked about five or six drivers what their favourite corner is, and uh, pretty much all of them said at least some point of uh, the Mount Panorama circuit. So, yeah. but you were the first to uh, mention the yeses. So uh, I oh, like cool. that in that that's a little bit different. Yeah. Scott McLaughlin, we thank you so much for your time on Parked Up. We wish you all the best for the rest of the season. And we look forward to sort of seeing you in real life sometime real soon. No, it will be good to see you Melbourneian sometime soon and, <laughs> and I'll see you thaw out a little bit. But yeah, thanks for having me on, boys. Thanks, mate. Cheers. And that was great to catch up with Scotty Mack. He's, uh, he looked pretty chilled up there. We had the uh, advantage of using our, our Zoom call uh, for, the, for the chat and he looked, uh, for, for a guy who's done two race meetings in a row, probably had a couple of celebratory um, beverages uh, last night. Uh, he still looks pretty chilled, still looks pretty refreshed. Yeah, he, he said that he was a bit rusty today. Oh, sorry, he was a bit dusty, to use his words. So, <laughs> yeah, I'm sure, look, if you dominated a weekend like that, you would have had a few uh, beers with the team and celebrated. And why not? You know, he's, he's on an absolute roll. He's in the, 
the form of his life and you know you got to celebrate those moments so but he was also up very early trying to concentrate on the Indy 500 yeah. and uh, I found it quite interesting that uh, the team are actually in so much contact even though you know there isn't actually uh, a race meeting planned just yet for him but they're trying to gear him up and and get him familiar with you know race procedures or debrief strategies or whatever it might be that the team are going through uh, to get their drivers ready for the biggest race of the year. So very, very cool to be part of that. He's definitely within the inner sanctum of the Penske Corporation. And uh, it will be interesting to see what happens going forward, you know, whether he goes to IndyCar next year, whether he does another year in supercars, who knows. But he's definitely destined for big things. And uh, he's trying to make the most of supercars right now and wrap up his third title. Yeah, mixed feelings for me about you know potentially seeing him go over and do something over in IndyCar. We haven't seen a, a a guy operating at the top end of town in supercars head over to try something completely different. Not not for a while, certainly not since Marcus Ambrose did that in the mid noughties where he headed over to to take on the US in the in NASCAR. Of course, Marcus had to work his way from from the trucks and build through the ranks before he made it to the, to the top league where it'll be different for Scott, where he'll jump straight in. If he does go, of course, he'll jump straight into the top end of town. It's definitely a big challenge for him. Uh, There's no doubt about that. And to be honest, uh, until last year, I thought his interest was in NASCAR. I thought he was going to go from supercars and do what Marcus did and, and try and uh, follow in his footsteps in many ways. And we know Penske have cars in in both categories so it was a surprise that he jumped in IndyCar earlier this year and and did those test days Uh, but that seems to be what he where his heart lies now he he wants to go over there he wants to do these big races Um, so yeah he's definitely jumping into the right team uh, in with Penske he's familiar with those guys he knows them he's building a relationship with the IndyCar team and uh, who knows, he could come out really strong. But I think, you know, he's got quite a bit of learning uh, to do in that category. I don't think he's going to just jump into it and, and away he goes. But I don't think he's he's got those expectations on his shoulders either. So it'll be interesting to see whether it happens next year, whether it happens in, in two years. or. But I think definitely it will happen down the track without doubt. Yeah, cool. And we will absolutely watch on with great expectations for the young Kiwi. Okay, so we're almost at the end of episode number 23 for Parked Up. We're powered by the race fuels. And Tony, we should just mention before we lob off for the day, we should talk about the TCR Australia Sim Racing Series. And you got yourself a podium. Now, it's your second podium, but this was your first genuine podium. You you really earned this one and you didn't yeah. get penalised. Well, that's right. I mean, I actually almost stuck the thing on pole. I, I was really surprised. So you know it. what the trick was? The trick was I didn't do any practice okay. all week. Oh, I, I thought the trick was going to be going faster than the others. No, I, I didn't have time. So I just jumped on just prior and uh, got stuck into it. And yeah, we, we, the car was good and I uh, had my eye in and, Johnny Martin in the other Honda, my teammate, took the win. He took pole position as well. Um, and Benny Barguana in position three in the first race. And we also saw Chelsea Angelo take 
a win in the reverse grid race in race two. Uh, a little bit lucky though, Rowan Shepherd had the race under control, but unfortunately run out of fuel with half a lap to go. Now, as obviously a, as not, a, not dealing with the race fuels. No, absolutely not. But uh, you actually got to put in how much fuel you want in the car. So you don't have a mechanic doing that job for you. The driver's got to look after that prior to the race. And uh, you obviously cut it a little bit fine and ran out with half a lap to go. So a bit of a shame because uh, he's a bit of a runaway winner in that one. Um, for myself in that one, finished in P4, I think. Yeah, just ahead of Will Brown. So a bit of a battle with him, which was a bit of fun. Johnny Martin stuck it in the fence right in front of me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, he wasn't the only one. There were some giant shunts around that joint. Yeah, well, that, that's what uh, generally happens, those street circuits and, and online racing because everyone just has a big old crack and uh, ends up in the fence. But the next race is at Macau next yes. week. So don't worry, so, there won't be any big shunts around that joint. I, I reckon if I just tootle around for the first lap, I'm literally going to be in the lead by the end of it. So... Um, <laughs> That circuit is super narrow. So if somebody does go on the fence or make a little error, uh, generally the other cars can't actually get around their car, the car that's stuck in the fence. So it'll be interesting that one, but I don't know the circuit whatsoever. So lucky we're an ISO, mate, because I'll be able to spend a bit of time on the sim this weekend. Yeah, there's quite a few corners to get your head around there. But Tony D, we've got no doubt where you've got our full support. You are <laughs> Parked Up Podcast, favourite TCR sim racing driver. So, uh, so Thank we'll, you, yeah. mate. Thank you. I do appreciate it. <laughs> um, hopefully, I just want to finish off the championship in fine style. No mediocre results for the final round, Grant. I don't want to let down Lachlan Mansell this time. Ah, oh, don't take offence. He's rattled you. The commentator has rattled you. Anyway, the uh, the TCR Australia Sim Racing Series that goes uh, the final round from Macau is live on the TCR Australia Facebook and YouTube pages, and that will be next Wednesday. And before then, we'll get to watch some supercars around Townsville and uh, a whole bunch of other motorsport. I think the Formula Ones are at Spa. There's a lot going on. Despite the fact that we're still locked down, Tony D, the world still is spinning around. Just. The West, we're stood still. Just, just ticking over. But uh, no, it is good to watch a little bit of car racing. Keeps us entertained. And hopefully, Grant, next time I speak to you, we might actually know a little bit more about what's happening with the Bathurst 1000. We actually did see it get uh, pushed back a week. So uh, maybe we might find out a bit more about that event. You might need to go and do some isolation up in uh, Queensland or New South Wales ahead of uh, that event. Don't worry, you just just roll out first time in a supercar since the bend uh, back in, what was it, February? February, yeah. Straight to Bathurst. Straight into Hell Corner, straight up Mountain Straight. You'll be fine. (laughs) What could go wrong? That's it. That's the end of Parked Up, episode 23. A quick happy birthday shout out to our good friend, Tony's brother-in-law, Paul Grantham. And we'll see you next week for another episode of Parked Up. See you later.